Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Out in Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 104.9 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Monday on the Horn, b with you. Hope you had a great weekend. It was hot. Whatever you were doing to avoid it. Maybe seeing Mission Impossible or getting in the water somewhere, doing something. But it was uh, record-setting heat. It's kind of weird, Buck. I saw where uh, this is odd to me. But, you know, out in Death Valley, California, the desert there? Yes. Like there was a chance they were going to break the all-time record. You know, there's a thermometer there. It's been there. Trying to get to 130 or something? Yeah, the record is like 134 or something back dated back to 1913. And there was a chance, according to the forecasters, that it, they could break it. I mean, it's a 110-year-old record. So what do you know? Like, the, the tourism industry went through the roof. Like, people trying to get rooms to be out there for that. I'm like, what? What? Why? Just to be part of history, I guess. And, like, they didn't have enough hotel rooms for everybody that wanted to, uh, to be a part of the potential history. And I don't know if they broke it. I don't think they did. No, come to my house, pay me. I'll open up the oven and stick your head in there if you need that. <laughs> I was like, what? It's a run on rooms at Death Valley? I'm out. I'm out. I'll Give me Death Valley Clemson Tigers. Give me Death Valley oh, LSU Tigers, who were part of SEC Media Days today. Yeah, so I was reading this, uh, the country of Spain putting a ban on uh, what they call comic bullfighting, dwarf bullfighting, little person. Those little people are serious, though, aren't they? Yeah, Jesus Martin Martin, the director of the General Spain Royal Board on Disabilities, says people with dwarfism have been subject to mockery in public squares in our country, passing down the idea that it's okay to laugh at differences. So many girls and boys who go with adults to see shameful performances. But the dwarf bullfighters aren't, aren't, bullfighters are not happy about it. Why aren't they there just to make a living? Well, you know, that's the controversy. That's the controversy. What do you want him to do? Fight a duck? <laughs> I don't know. With a cape the, or something? I think the bull thinks when he comes out and sees that oh. little person, like, what is this? Oh, I'd be snorting snot, too. <laughs> um, I don't even get mad at that. No. You know, I don't know. So that's out there. That's controversial, apparently. And you said you'd seen some dwarf-like movies. Oh, I've seen those before. Bridget, the, well, Bridget, the little person. Look, there's Ty, his eyeball. <laughs> See his eyeballs light up? He's heard of that before. It's, it's not like we've. Back in the day. Back in the day. See, we've evolved. We've evolved. Oh, absolutely. I have an Aunt Bridget. It's a little like, different. Great, yeah, she's great. Love her. My younger, my mom's youngest sister is Aunt Bridget. That's right. You did see La La Land. I remember you talking about that. It was a good movie. I need to time. watch that. I'm a big fan of musicals. Because yeah, you, right. you were in the musical theater at uh, Westlake mm-hmm. High School, correct? Sound Performing of music. Arts. You did the Sound of Music, obviously, at one time. You had to. And you told us that Sam Ellinger was a very accomplished yeah. vocalist. He was. He was probably one of the best singers boy singers in the choir wow well emma stone's in that and she kind of steals the show emma stone's 
kind of one of those stars who lights up the screen, whatever she does. She's really talented and uh, does a good job in that. She's the funny too. love interest of Ryan Gosling. John Legend's in that film, too. It's pretty good. I liked it. Uh, you know, La La Land. A uh, bit of a love story. Uh, so, yeah, movies on the brain, sports on the brain, SEC media days. And so last night, by the way, our man CB sent us the, uh, the college football's 2023 all-name team that's out from, uh, from the Twitter machine. Nice. With their first-team offense quarterback by General Booty from Oklahoma. There you go. General Booty. Um, the running back is Cavassier Smoke, which is a great name. He's now playing at Colorado. He transferred to play for primetime. The wide receiver on our first team from Louisiana Tech is DeColdis Crawford. DeColdis Crawford. And uh, the other wide receiver is from Defiance College. His name is Derealist Clark. Or Fat Watts. Yeah, the tight end is Rowdy Beers from FIU. <laughs> isn't the isn't the coldest's middle name? It's like the coldest to ever do it. Oh, Crawford. I don't know that. I think his middle name is to ever do it. I also know that our it. starting left tackle is a guy from Ohio. He's a bobcat named Parker Titsworth. And he's going to be protecting our, our quarterback general booty's backside. We got uh, from Auburn, Jaden Muskrat playing on our offensive line. Tiger Shanks. Tiger Shanks from UNLV will be there. And there's a guy from University of Charlotte named Panda Askew who will be wow. playing our offensive line. We'll have some more of those coming up, including the first-team defense for college football in 2023. But uh, big fan of Fat Watts. P-H-A-T Watts, like he's a one. wide receiver for two lanes. The wide receivers is just off the chain, man. You've got DeColdest, DeRealist, and Fat. Those are our three wide receivers in college football's 2023 all-star group right there. That's big time. <laughs> and do you know that on our defensive line, when we get to this coming up, we have a – can I say this on the radio? We've got a defensive lineman from your alma mater named Shitta? Yeah. Sila. S-H-I-T-T-A. It's going to be a tough time at Sheeta? Boston College. Is it Sheeta? Sheeta. <laughs> be a tough time for you at BC. <laughs> There's really not someone named Mobility, is there? Yes. Come on. Is somebody making that up? Apparently he hasn't found a school yet. He's in the transfer portal. But there's someone in the transfer portal with the name Mobility. What oh, the dude from UTSA there? Oh, Pig Cage? Pig Cage. He's a no. DB from the Roadrunner. Pig Cage. Louisville's got a DB named Storm Duck. Better than duck sausage. Duck sausage, exactly. Somebody's name is Mobility. Is that like his brother Ability? I love these nick Meatball Smith. <laughs> this is great. Is that, is that a name on there? Mobility? I, Meatball Smith. Yes. He's he's, <laughs> a, Meatball he's an honorable Smith. mention D lineman from Sam that. Houston. Meatball Smith. There's no way that's his real name. No, that's a nickname. It has to be. Has to be we'll yeah. look it up. Yeah. So we'll have some more fun with that coming up. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Mobility. Find a school. He needs to be on the school. I love that. I think there's a wide receiver called Stone Handy. <laughs> <laughs> Did he play for Texas last oh, year? Yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, so uh, speaking of Texas, yeah. uh, obviously the preseason pick to win the Big 12 Conference. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his staff making the the appearance down there at uh, Texas, the Texas High School Coaches Convention, which opened last night down in Houston. Coaches School, as they call it. Uh, 12,000 or so high school coaches and coaches from across the state of Texas gathering to talk ball. And uh, we, we know if you heard it on Friday, Craig Way had a great conversation on the air with Mac Brown, who was one of the keynote speakers down there. Mac and Craig did a Q&A last night that I'm sure Craig will have some thoughts on. I think Craig will be on the show today. I hope so, because he was really in, integral in what's going on down there, as usual. Uh, also down there, Buck, so here's what you had. You had Mac Brown as kind of this, you know, the, the invited guest to talk high school football and his relationship with the Texas high school coaches. 
you also had Greg Sankey. Greg Sankey was there. He's the commissioner of the SEC, and he made an appearance uh, upon invite. And, you know, Texas A&M has been in the conference, and now Texas is joining the conference. So, And the great, you know, the state of Texas is recruited heavily by all the schools in the Southeastern Conference. So the commissioner was in town. And I thought this was interesting. A couple of uh, newsworthy nuggets. A, the people are positioning this that Greg Sankey took a shot at Brett Yormark and the Big 12. He says that's not true. But it was about high school football, defending high school football on Friday nights and arguing against uh, playing high school football game or college football games on Friday night. And so, so last week at Big 12 Football Media Days, Brett Yormark talked openly about how his conference wants to add more weeknight games, particularly on Fridays, which that caught the ire of high school coaches in the state of Texas. That, you know, Brett Yormark's conference has five schools. That play high school, that play college football in the state of Texas, and you know, with, with the addition of Houston joining Baylor, SMU, or TCU, Texas Tech. I mean, these are schools that play right here in the great state, right? Well, uh, not a fan of this. Joe Martin, the executive director of the High School Coaches Association, said yesterday that we are certainly opposed to that. That's something that was shocking for us to read. It's about TV money. We want to keep Friday night pure in high school football. We're so different from everybody else. Our communities still go and support our teams. Any other football, whether it's Division One, NFL, that's out there on Friday night, we are opposed to that. To which Greg Sankey was in support of Joe Martin and the Texas High School coaches. He said, I've expressed my concern about the migration of colleges into Friday night. We've got colleges playing Friday night TV windows for money. We had better think carefully about our impact on high school football. I encourage more attention to high school football. It's good. So, opposed to Brett Yormark. And Brett Yormark is going to take some, some dents for that, uh, obviously, right? I mean, when, when you, as we've said, I mean, you just consider you know, playing a, you know, a game at TCU on a Friday night. Or yeah, a game know at who Baylor. your audience is there. Yeah, I mean, a game at Baylor or a game in Lubbock on a Friday night where the, the fan base, which is large, passionate, they then are put in a position where, well, am I going to go see Texas Tech play West Virginia on a Friday night? I'm a season ticket holder, or am I going to go see the high school football game in West Texas? That that is an argument that that decision should not have to be made by fans. You should play on Saturday or play on a different right. night of the week, not Friday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Thursday even ruffled some feathers, right? Sure. Like, um, no, let's not go here. We want now. Remember, I mean, the Texas high school coaches have argued against even having high college football games on or high school football games on television. Like, they don't want to televise them because they want people to go to the game. Right. And support the teams and, you know, fill the stadiums and bring the Friday night passion and the Friday night lights. They've argued against that. Well, now you have a commissioner, a major commissioner in a conference that has a lot of Texas influence saying, oh, no, we want more Friday night televised games, which, again, so Greg Sankey against Brett Yormark, that will be an ongoing conversation. Also, this is the one where I think there's just we, – we need some ideas. I thought – Somebody had a good idea on this, though. But you, so Steve Sarkeesian uh, was was asked about the early signing window. Okay, right this year, uh, uh, recruits can go from verbal commitment to official commitment starting December the twenty first. It's a seventy two hour window from the twenty first to the twenty third, just ahead of Christmas. And Steve Sarkeesian is, you know, not in favor of changing that. Uh, he said, "I don't want to be fined by the SEC before we join the conference." Last night, I don't know that that's the best avenue, getting rid of the, 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 uh, the early window. The student-athletes in high school are way too equipped to graduate high school early and to be at college in January. When you start to think about the majority of your class enrolling in January but not even having the signing period, that is concerning to me, Sark said. 
That is why we went, we went to the early signing period. I think there's probably a happy medium because earlier at the event, Greg Sankey, uh, I thought, made a very cogent point and said, guys, listen, when we go to the expanded playoff of 12 teams, I don't think there for a moment there should be an early signing period while our best college football teams are engaging in playoff games. Uh, in December, if you have coaching decisions, head coaching and assistants, you have signing day, and you have the transfer portal and bowl games, you have the playoff, which will have more December activity than ever before, not to mention the regular season concluding and our conference championship game, it would just be untenable is what he's saying, which is kind of true. <laughs> I mean, we we're already talking about the pressure coaches are under in that three-week window from the end of the regular season. And, gosh, if they're playing in the conference title game, now you're going to have a 12-team playoff where 12 teams are still playing. Well, you recruit so heavily in June, might as well get the last of it in August and get say, okay, here's a signing day. Yeah, could you do a signing window in August uh, ahead of the high school football season to which you I'm, appropriately said that the, you'd have to honor that scholarship if a kid signs and he gets hurt. Yeah, you're going to have to honor my – it's not a one-year deal any longer. You give me a four-year scholarship – because this is one of those debates where I think both Sark and Greg Sankey have great points. And, and, and you know, Steve Sarkis is saying, wait a second, I just had a 25-person recruiting class, and 14 of them were here in January. Yeah. So I just don't know. I, I just don't see it. But once again, I just call games. I don't coach games anymore. So I don't know how players, kids that know they're going somewhere, e, that are ready to sign in December, that have gotten scholarships, are saying, okay, how hard am I going to play? i got to watch myself here. I've got a scholarship to Michigan. i got a scholarship to Texas. Do I go out there my senior year and give it all? I mean, I want kids giving it their all. I mean, I don't see it, but some high school coaches would probably say, Buck, huh, you don't coach it either. Yeah. There is a little bit of a difference in a kid who's got a scholarship already in his pocket. But then you've well, got to honor that scholarship. As a kid gets hurt and says, you know, because it's early signing period, I'm going to sign with you, but I'm going to, I'm going to play my ass off, you know, for my high school team. But if I get hurt, what are my guarantees now? Yeah. Again, I don't know. I, I've heard people suggest August, like before their high school season starts, you can sign if you're mm-hmm. done. Like like last year, if you're Arch Manning and you know you're not going to be recruited, you want that to shut down for your senior season so you just enjoy it. Yeah, I just don't want guys not participating. Up. I don't want guys right. or, or young ladies not participating in their, their, their high school because they got a scholarship. Or, because again, for the coaches, if there was an early signing window, they could get a bulk of their class in ahead of that. Now they got to run the risk of that player getting hurt or whatever. But at the same time, I think a lot of coaches would just rather because. They, but then they're going to be coaches saying, "Wait a second, I I want to have official visits," which which again you still can for the players sure. who are unsigned during the football season. Uh, but Sark has a great point too that that you know it's getting more and more popular to graduate early and sign. You know, somebody said earlier, "Why don't we you know just only the ones who are graduating early can sign in December? Everyone else has to wait till February." Fair argument. Uh, some would say, wait a second, just move it back to early February, and those who are coming in early, they can sign their letter of intent, but no, the window wouldn't have opened, which is what Sark would say. Like, wait a second, they're going to be on our campus going to school and practicing, and they haven't actually signed the letter of intent yet? That, that's, the, that's the issue they're dealing with. When is the right time on the calendar? Because everyone presents good, good points, but also presents I would rather take calendar. my chance in August. Uh, we'll take your thoughts on that, and I know uh, I'm sure this will be a conversation that's ongoing because Greg Sankey's the one a year in advance, you know, announcing, "Hey, y'all, don't forget, we're going to a 12-team playoff." You want to add that layer? Because by the way, the teams that are going to be playing in that 12-team playoff are the teams that are typically recruiting the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now you're going to hinder them to where they got to be trying to get ready for a playoff game while trying to secure their signing class. Um, you know, that is a whole. Well, it's going to work way. their way. Any if they're in the playoffs, it's going to work their way anyway. You could argue that. You know, 
Um, but you know how that works when you're on the recruiting trail. You're gone the whole month of December visiting homes. You know, it's an open season. So every one of your coaches, well, you can't have your 10 coaches on the road and prepare for a playoff game. Yeah, you're trying to win a championship. Yeah, I I mean, it's a tough call. I don't know the answer. I think maybe August, and but I'm sure there's 10 reasons. I'm not even thinking yeah, about well, why August Nobody will feel bad. sorry for the ones that are in the playoffs. Oh, man, our, our guy Jamie Frazier from the uh, the, uh, the high ground, Texas, is say, watch the movie Kandahar. Great movie. Great movie. Kandahar. I'm, I'm watching gonna... it today. Yeah, are you? Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, all right, so take your give us your thoughts on uh, that and the – because I think we already got a bunch in on, on the, the high school thing. I think most people are in support of protecting high school football on Friday nights, especially in this state, of not trying to schedule games. Uh, especially big Big Twelve games, like you don't. Because mm-hmm. Brett Yormark's talking about, like, oh no, we want to put because he's trying to fight for eyeballs for his conference. He's trying to fight against the he's SEC and the fight Big for Ten. that money on a Friday. Yes, and the TV revenue that comes with it, the standalone type of game, and you know the ratings would be good. But you know, fans shouldn't have to decide between going to a high school game or a college game on a Friday night. I think we would most agree with that. But you know, business speaks. Money's going to speak, right? Money's going to lead yes, the way. Is. And Yormark's going to come back, and and people are going to criticize him for it. But he's going to say, wait a second. I mean, I'm trying to compete with the SEC, and the Big Ten's making $100 million per school. Um, you know, we put our games on opposite theirs on a Saturday. We're not getting as many eyeballs. We can put it on on a Friday night, and we're going to get well, great he, ratings. You know, he's he's kind of a standalone kind of guy, but he won't win that battle in this state. No, there's 12,000 coaches saying yeah. we disagree. That's absolutely right. And, yes, yeah, so you guess who else is going to be calling Brett Yormark is the other coaches, right? Joey McGuire. A high school coach. Yep. Guarantee is calling him to say, hey, y'all, no, 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 this is going to hurt me in recruiting. If we're going here, you can't put Texas Tech on the schedule on a Friday night. That ain't happening. And I'm assuming, you know, Dave Aranda at Baylor and Sonny Dykes at TCU and Dana Holgerson at Houston are all saying the same thing. Saying, hey, guys, we're on their side on this argument, not yours, but we know we want money. This says, guys, Indiana Jones was a letdown. Um, this says, uh, oh, mobility's brother is actually possibility. Possibility. <laughs> <laughs> and their younger, unathletic brother is in a, inability. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's, that's, that's good. That's good right there because we do like the all-name team. And those are actual names of actual college football players. You could look it up. I just think the name Cavassier Smoke at Colorado is probably the coolest yeah, I, name. I think I need to have a guy named Scoop and Score Jones somewhere. There's a guy named Pig Cage that you would Pig UTS. Cage. I'm sure his name's like Jack Cage or something. Or Boy, he's been getting Jameson that since Cage. he was a kid. Pig Cage. Wow. I'm a big fan of uh, Parker Titsworth. I mean, I'm sure he's never taken any heckling as a kid. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Plays for the Ohio Bobcats. That's the most O-line name ever. <laughs> Parker Titsworth? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and, again, our receivers core are DeColdis Crawford, DeRealis Clark, They're the best. Fat Watts. Come on, Fat Watts. These things are too good. These things are too good. Do um, you know that our first team punter is someone named from Syracuse University? Our first team punter will be Maximilian von Marburg. Okay? Wow. Yeah. He's going to be punting for us. And our, our, our honorable kicker. One of our honorable mention linebackers from South Carolina playing down there for Coach Beamer, Hot Rid Fitton. <laughs> Hot Rib? Rid. R-I-D. Hot Rid. There's a Wyoming. How about this guy? Not Hot Rod, but Hot Rid. How about this dude? Plays DB at Wyoming, the Cowboys. 
in uh, Laramie, Wyoming, named Buck Coors. There you go. There's a lot of stupid people out there naming their kids stupid stuff. Yeah, well, Buck Coors. Well, his last name is Coors. I mean, what else are you going to name him? And he lives in, like, Wyoming, so it's Buck. Perfect. Buck Coors. Kool-Aid McKinstry, of course. The Longhorns will see him when they play Alabama week two. He's probably the best, one of the top two, three defensive backs sure in the country. Sure yep. And they call him Kool-Aid. He's going to play alongside Mobility. Mobility. <laughs> hey, we'll be back. We'll uh, get back into the NFL weekend and conversation coming because training camp's open this week. we got a uh, deadline at 3 o'clock today. What will happen with Saquon Barkley? What could happen with Josh Jacobs, if anything? Details coming here on B&E. <laughs> It's Bucky and Aaron. Monday on the Horn, coming through a weekend that uh, treated us sports fans to one incredible series of uh, finishes. Man, the, uh, the the Wimbledon final on the men's side was a classic, one of the greatest you'll ever see. Four hours, forty-one minutes of just knockdown, dragout tennis. Between uh, a 20-year-old emerging star and the one of the maybe the greatest of all time, and Novak Djokovic, who hadn't lost on that court in a decade, beat him in five sets, and um, just a classic. And obviously, if you had to get up early to see Rory McIlroy, birdie his final two holes with some incredible shots and in a 30-35 mile an hour wind to win the Scottish Open, his first ever win in Scotland, and now he'll take heavy momentum into the Open Championship at Hoylake Buck, teeing off on Thursday. What is that, the Royal Liverpool Club? The Royal yep. Club of Liverpool, uh, where the Beatles are from, Buck. And be, that's where he won his last last one there. 2014? Yeah. yeah he'll, be, he'll be feeling good because he played yes, great golf will. this weekend. Scotty Scheffler finished tied for third in that event, so you got to figure he'll be in the mix. But our, our fantasy golf game is already up and running. Go to our website. It's brought to you by our friends at Callahan's General Store. Um, go in there, make your, your picks. You have until, you know, because, you know, they're in – UK time, right? So you need to get those picks in before Wednesday night. So we'll give you an extra day to get ahead of that. Go make your picks, and you could win that uh, gift card and all the fun stuff from Callahan's General Store, plus the bragging rights that come with being the best prognosticator of the final golf major. That's at hornfm.com. Also, man, the baseball. Talk about the Astros and Angels series where you had 32 runs scored in the seventh inning or beyond but combined by both teams. The Astros had a huge lead Saturday and blew it. Lost 13-12 to 12 to the Angels, Shohei Otani, and that Angels team roared back and beat them. Uh, and then the Astros returned that favor to them yesterday on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. They were down late, and the Astros were down 7-3 to three in the eighth inning. The Astros proceeded to blast five home runs in the last two innings and beat the Angels 9-8. Uh, so that was a fun series. And the Rangers rallied for four in the eighth to beat the uh, Guardians yesterday to finish a sweep. So um, good finishes. Good finishes in sports over the weekend. And uh, Rangers lead the Astros by three games. And, you know, the big talk in the next two weeks, Buck, in baseball will be the trade deadline oh, and, yeah. and uh, one Shohei Otani. And uh, what's going to happen? It's That's going to all be up to their owner. Yep, 100%. Because I, I think the general manager would tell you that, you know, if we're not going to re-sign him, we're not likely to make the playoffs with this current pitching staff. Now, they're going to fight, and they're going to get Mike Trout back. Like I actually saw people reporting that maybe they would trade Mike Trout. Now, Mike Trout's in the middle of a 12-year contract. Uh, and I believe he has a no-trade clause that he could, you know, use. But at the same time, would Mike Trout want to get out? If you're rebuilding, rebuild, right? If you're going for, for babies and bringing in prospects and 
And, we'll, and, and don't I mean the, the reporting now coming out of the All Star break where Shohei Otani was pretty pointed that he wants to win, getting tired of losing, and uh, you know he is a free agent when the season is over. See you in Seattle. I also have to wonder if the Astros, what the Astros are going to do. Ooh, Seattle would be interesting. San Francisco is a team you've mentioned. Yep. But I keep mentioning the Rangers, only that they have deep-pocketed owners and they have a farm system that is the most fertile in baseball. So they could give the Angels the, the major league-ready prospects and the young prospects to get this deal done. And the Rangers would have the argument that, like, look, he's a rental, guys. We're not giving you four top prospects. We'll give you two. And another mid-level but rising prospect. And maybe that pulls it off because, again, if you're the Rangers, you're in first place. You have the highest-scoring offense in the league anyhow. You've added a role to Chapman, who's already helped lock up your bullpen and had a big save on Saturday night where he – about that. He, the final pitch he threw on Saturday night against Cleveland was 102.5 miles an hour. It's the fastest pitch ever recorded in that stadium. So a is now the back end of your bullpen with Will Smith. Uh, you could see the range – again, I'm, the old, I'm speculating, but, man, try to go win a World Series with that dude. Would the Angels even trade him in the own division? But Win I think now. They, yeah. Ask questions later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure it out later. Yeah. Would you do it? I think most Ranger fans said, yes. I'd make a run at it. But that dude, even did, and I always go back to the 98 year with Randy Johnson in Houston. I mean, that's a magical moment. The Astros didn't win the World Series that year, and they gave up some good prospects to get him. But, man, that was an unbelievable, as a fan, to watch Randy Johnson every fifth day and go out there and just dominate. It was a treat, man. And, and you knew you were losing him when the season was over. Uh, but man, it was a, it was a memory, and I know, you know, Ranger fans would also argue. Wait, wait a second. We've been building to where we are. We're already really good. Let's not give up any of our future. Let's just keep building on this path, and the World Series will come. You know, both sides have a strong argument. At the same time, you put Shohei Otani on that team and get his blister on his finger right, because you could let him. Their pitching staff is deep enough that you could just let him, you know, hit for a while, just get in your lineup and play every oh, day. Yeah. Play one of those corner outfield positions or wherever. But guess what? Then, you know, his blister needs to heal because he's not healthy. Well, you could give him a month off from pitching, and then he's ready to go come late August into September. Because you, you will need score him. runs because you score runs anyway. Heck, yeah. I know. I just I think there's an option. That's going to be a con- – and the Astros, by the way, what they're going to do to fix their bullpen, because the Astros have stayed alive in this thing by having the best pitching staff in baseball, uh, TBRA-wise, but now their bullpen – even the general manager's admitting it, and Dusty Baker is admitting it, that we've overused. Because remember, they have three of their top five starters out with injury. Lance McCullers has never come back. Luis Garcia got hurt. Jose Arquiti's been out for six weeks. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to patch your starting pitching together, which means you're using your bullpen more than you want to. But you have four guys who have been lights out good, mm-hmm. but they're out of gas at this point. They're, even though you just had a week off, those guys look like you've, you've already overused them in July. Ryan Presley blew the lead on Saturday. Uh, Hector Neris has been unbelievable. Um, you know, Phil Maton has been unbelievable. But those guys are starting to show the wear and tear of just overuse. So you wonder if the Astros will get into the trade market and try to get some bullpen help, uh, some guys who can come in and let those guys get a blow a little bit. They here. need a rest. They do, because if they lose that bull, that bullpen. I mean, is to win the World Series last year. There were a lot of reasons for it, but that bullpen being the best bullpen in baseball at. at finishing games in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning and uh, lowest bullpen ERA in baseball. That was a huge part of the run. And if those guys run out of gas based on your injuries and your starting pitching, even if you get, even when you get Jordan Alvarez back mm-hmm. and your offense gets, because you know your, your offense is starting to click here, you're starting to go, you're getting Jose Abreu hitting, you're getting good, good, good production up and down the lineup. Alex Bregman is starting to hit. Obviously Kyle Tucker had a huge weekend. 
uh, coming off his all-star game. Uh, but, man, now you'll be to the point where now our bullpen's going to be gassed. And that's the, that's the challenge of a 162-game season. Just, it's, you got to, you know, those, those innings your pitchers pitch in April and May and June start to really add up, and you still have a, long, a lot of baseball to be played. And those guys are looking tired to me. But uh, that was good baseball from the weekend. We'll see what the Rangers do. Trade deadline in two weeks. The deadline is today, 3 o'clock. For Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, Buck, what's going to happen in New York for your New York football Giants? I think uh, they're going to sign Saquon. Think that gets done? Yes. It'd be good. I mean, Giants have momentum, right? That whole division. Eagles were in the Super Bowl. Cowboys feel like with Mike McCarthy calling plays now, and you know they're ready to go. And the Giants were in the playoffs last year, right? They took a huge stride forward with Brian Dayball. What's my guy from Minnesota going to do? My running back from is he going to sit this thing? I mean, is he going to wait till the season starts when somebody gets hurt at camp and then show up? Yeah, I mean, again, the Dalvin ref- Cook going to wait that long? He, is he going to wait that? Nobody wants him. I just I look at it and think I don't know what this is. asking way too much money. Yeah. These well, guys are going to get maximum like $4 million. That's a 28-year-old running back, and in the, it's unfortunate. I mean, I, I, I'm with Austin Eckler, who over the weekend voiced his displeasure saying, look, y'all. There are times that I'm carrying this offense based on statistic, right? Right, numbers, catches, yes. touchdowns. Yet I'm gonna, I'm. You guys are telling me I'm gonna make less than our third receiver on our football team. Yeah, sorry, that's the value <laughs> of the position, true. and it's unfair. I mean, it's just, but life's not well, fair. Is it unfair that kickers make the least amount of money and they win games for you sometimes? Yeah, but you know, look, the running back is the running back, and and you know if you're gonna draft Saquon Barkley with the second pick, you kind of know at some point you're gonna have to pay the guy. And you have to pay the guy. And they're making him what they believe is a fair contract offer. He's saying, wait a second, I'm going to be underpaid versus the market. Now, again, this is, this is the unfairness is, I mean, look, we just said that the market value has changed so dramatically. Long. But yes. you can understand those players being frustrated by that, right? You yep. don't get to control market forces because teams are winning and going to the Super Bowl without high-priced running backs. They're doing it with running back by committee, and they're just fine. So teams are reluctant on the heels of, Zeke Elliott's big deal in Dallas and others of, of inking themselves to it. But the agents are going to say, look, they, the 49ers have a contract with Christian McCaffrey that's bloated, and he's their best player. Uh, you know, he was Carolina signed it, but the 49ers traded for it. Uh, their guy's making really good money at that position, and our guy deserves that credit too. Uh, but again, when you have the top six rushers in your league from last year all in contract disputes at some level, right? Josh Jacobs was number one. He's in a dispute. He doesn't want to be tagged. With the Vegas Raiders, he led the NFL in rushing last year. Derrick Henry was second last year, despite any injuries he had in a bad offense. He is in the final year of his deal and has no security beyond that. Same with Nick Chubb in Cleveland. Dalvin Cook, you just mentioned, he's been released. Uh, you know, all these guys, all your best running backs from a year ago are can't, Looking for can't, cash. Get, can't get paid. So I don't know how it rectifies itself, but I think we'll see. Does Saquon just take a deal? He hired a new agency, right? He was, he was with Rock Nation. Uh, throughout the the spring, which if he winter. wants to play, this they'll figure out a way to make him look good, like he got a lot of money when he probably didn't. Yeah, there's got to be a way to get because if you're Stanford, if you're the Giants, you can't lose the momentum of what you built last year, and Saquon is a huge part of that. Not with that, not with your new coach who can. Which, which by the way, is exactly what Saquon's saying to the team. Like y'all, you know what this offense is without me. So what's my value? I understand my value to the market, okay, but what's my value to you? What's my value to this football team? I would argue it's pretty darn high, uh, and it's at least what Christian McCaffrey is making. But they're not going to give him that. So they think they've made him two fair offers that, that would pay him handsomely. He's What's he looking happy. for, Ty? He's looking for close to six. That's it? No, he wants like 
six like fifteen. Yeah, no, it's not they want happen. they want twelve to fourteen to fifteen per. Yeah, yes, no, we got, they're we, delusional. You got third receivers making seventeen, I mean that's the whole point. I mean you got receivers. And the dude never is healthy. So no, like, he was healthy last he's year. Pretty healthy he was last damn year. Good. Been um, one out of one out of four. five years. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that, a reason why Alexander Madison's like they think he's ready to go because he's had time to. He's had his yeah. He's his the replacement in Minnesota. Chances. He's the replacement for Dalvin Cook, who still has not found his next team. Now he he is saying he's playing the field. He's waiting this thing out, and he's going to go. He's in no rush. He's kind of enjoying the uh, the courting process. So Dalvin Cook will land somewhere. Like I said he's waiting for somebody to get hurt in training camp. Well, I mean, look at the DeAndre Hopkins thing. I mean, we said when the day he was released, he's either going to go somewhere he can chase a ring and try to win a Super Bowl, which he's never done, or he's going to go where he can make the most money. And Obviously, his decision was to go make the most money, and the most money came in Tennessee. He still mm-hmm. definitely got less than he thought he was going to get. Sure he did, sure he did. But he, you know, he could have signed on an incentive laden lower deal in Buffalo or Kansas City or somewhere like that, where he absolutely could have chased a ring. Uh, he's going for the guaranteed, and, and look, can't blame the guy. No problem with it. But it's I can't believe the Titans are making this move, especially after the failed Julio Jones experiments. Him going there. I think he's I, got more tread on his tires than Julio did when when he signed there. You know, how old is he? What 30, 31? 31. 31. Uh, and of course, about the time. He, he had the PED suspension. He had the uh, the injury the year before that. Uh, but you know, if, if healthy, Hopkins is far and away their best receiving target in Tennessee. And I can see because essentially it's a two year deal that he's getting. It's really a one year deal as far as the team would be. And Mike Vrabel and their new general manager Rand Carthon are saying, let's make one more run. Right. And let's give Ryan Tannehill a number one target to go with Derrick Henry in his final year. We've drafted Will Levis. We've drafted uh, the kid out of Liberty um, you know, to, to be quarterbacks of the future and heir apparents to Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, they need a big year. But let's make one more run at this in the, in the winnable AFC South with Jacksonville as the top team. So they have to give it their best shot, yes. I think that's what they're thinking. And remember, they're building a new stadium there. Um, they're building that new $2 billion Football stadium in Nashville. Yeah, they're going to want to go in there with a new quarterback. It says something is wrong when Bijan is already the highest paid running back. That's true. Bijan's no. new rookie contract is the highest paid this year for this season. Derrick Henry's making like twenty five million dollars this year. I'm pretty sure. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's I true. I think at that's all. for total guaranteed money over the course of the deal. I believe so. There's how many? What? That cannot be true. Because Tony Pollard's making $10.1 million this year. 15 highest paid running backs for 2023 in terms of total cash. Number one, B. John Robinson, 13.72 million. Christian McCaffrey, second, 12 million. Alvin Kamara, Saints, 11 million. Aaron Jones, Packers, 10.9. Damn, is that is that slot in the draft that high? Uh, that Derek much? Henry is slated to make $10.5 million in cash this season. But he's already made a lot in signing bonus, oh. right? That's where they get their upfront money. But this year, he will make $10.5 million in cash. Uh, Bijan Robinson will make thirteen point seven two. That's crazy. Tony Pollard will make ten point zero nine one, at number eight on the list. Saquon Barkley is set to make ten point zero nine one as well as their franchise tag player. He would like significantly more than that. That's not going to happen either. Three o'clock today. Sixteen mil if he's looking for well, fourteen. I think somewhere between fourteen and, and sixteen is what he's looking for. Okay, we'll but, give you a twelve. See ya. That's not not going to happen. He's going to get five. Maybe, Five? Maybe. Saquon Barkley? No, oh, Saquon if there's some dumb. Down, Saquon, 10. I'd be happy with 10. He's already, grand, he's making that. He's already guaranteed to make 10 as the yeah. franchise I know, but player. I think he just wants more. If you can get 13 or 14. Thir- like over. 35 over 3, something like that. Mm-hmm. I like I would, if I was him, I'd take that. Roy, running back boycott. Well, I know. I know. I mean, it's just why 
it's just the market. It, it's unfortunate. And, um, you know, the market fluctuates and the forces would dictate that, uh, you know, as as pass rushers, when, like when Lawrence Taylor changed the game and everybody was looking for the edge rusher, well, then you had to invest in left tackle, right, to protect the blind side. That's and then, right. That market goes through the roof. And uh, corner, corner, right now, you, you know who's making a lot of money now that didn't used to make money is safeties. Because with the proliferation of spread offenses and running quarterbacks, you've got to have a safety who can play in the box, can play coverage, Absolutely. can do a lot of different things for you. It's, it's kind of replaced the old-school middle linebacker. That you, Instead of having Mike Those guys Sim- aren't making any money. Right, well, exactly. That's a running back of the defense. Because the game has changed so dramatically. I mean, back in the day, Ray Lewis and Mike Singletary, oh, and yeah, these guys sure. were the heart of your defense. Fred Warner it, in San Francisco is probably the best inside linebacker in the game right now, but he doesn't make as much as the best safeties do. I mean, the best safeties you know, make a lot of money because they're so invaluable to have Impact a guy plays. who can do a lot of different things. And you have to be able to play every down, but you got to be able to cover, tackle, blitz when you need to, be an impactful player from that position. But again, yeah, Joe Mixon's ever... very – he's got to be happy with the, the money he just picked up. He got repay, He got paid? He just got paid over the weekend. He and uh, – you mentioned earlier, Ty, the, uh, the tight end Evan Ingram in Jacksonville both had been on franchise tags. They both got deals done over the mm-hmm. weekend. We'll see if Saquon or Josh Jacobs get a deal done today. All right, coming up, Craig Way is in the building. He's back from his appearance down at the uh, Texas High School Coaches Association uh, conversation. He will uh, recap some stories, including it does appear that Jimbo Fisher may have skipped the deal. Now, the the official reason for Jimbo was that he had a family obligation, but there are those, according to Craig, that were down there. So he says, just, of course you guys will take it because you're not out there playing running back. Damn right. You're damn right. You're damn right. Going bone on bone with blitzing linebackers, hey, no thank you. Don't forget about Zeke too. He's coming would, home. Oh, soon. Would you stop that? He's coming home. You, have soon. To, you do have to yeah, stop Ty, that. Ty don't was you? not singing this tune when they signed Zeke Elliott to his massive deal. While we were all going, what? He's the start What'd of this you do madness. That for? Running backs because uh, Ty has a dog named Zeke. We'll be back. Be in the other one. It's Bucky and Aaron. Coming up, it's Craig Way and Jeff Howe with Light the Tower. They're both back from Houston in the George R. Brown Convention Center. With stories to tell, Craig will have some sound from Steve Sarkeesian and his appearance down there. Also, he's got uh, G.J. Kinney, first-year head coach at Texas State. He did a one-on-one with uh, the new coach of the Bobcats. That'll be coming up. And, of course, Jeff Howe is a graduate of Texas State, as is our producer, Ty Henderson. Go Cats. One of his places, Go Cats. Go Cats. can't believe you're such a... You didn't support your cats. You're living in West Campus, pretending to be a UT student while graduating with the. Uh, I'll make year. it down to a game this year. Well, they're going to score a lot of points. I can tell you that. GJ Kinney on the offensive side. Yeah, how good is the defense going to be for Texas State? Becomes the question. Remember, they played Baylor early. Baylor Bears. Dave Aranda. Was that right? That game is up there in. Uh, uh, no, let me look at Texas State schedule. It's somebody. It's TCU or Baylor. One of those two schools that they, they play. play Baylor. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. I know they had a home and home with them, but I, they, they, this might be it's the last Baylor. One. Um. Yes, we'll look up their football schedule. But that's coming up in the uh, the Lights Tower program. Chad and Zay through the midday. I believe Chad is out this week for his vacation. So Zay will be. I'm in with Zay. Oh, you are today? Whole time? And tomorrow. Me and Zay on Friday. You're doing whole thing today? Yeah. Dang, man. It's hot. I need to go in some place where it's air conditioned. Hey, Zay, Zay comes out it? when you're out sometimes, Aaron. Yeah, I know. I know. Got to return the favor. Give, give and take, right? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, well, I'll look forward to that. Listen to both of those shows with uh, you and the Zay Master. Yeah, Baylor McLean Stadium, second September second is their first game. Then UTSA is going to play. Or Texas State's going to play UTSA. And G.J. Kinney facing his mentor in Jeff Trailer. That's technically a rivalry. Yeah, what a first year. They want it to be a rivalry. Yeah, that's G- what I'm saying. UTSA is lapping them right now as far as That's football not goes. quite the rivalry they want yet. Texas State's got the better baseball program going there, but football is all Jeff Trailer. And Craig Way said that Jeff, that Jeff Trailer was hilarious on the coaches' panel yesterday. That dude, he was on and, and look, again, this is not a shot at the Aggies, so don't jump on Twitter. Craig, the, the sentiment at the media, according to Craig and others down there, was that Jimbo Fisher kind of stiffed the, his appearance there. And skipped his interview and skipped the, the the coaches gathering up on stage with all the D1 coaches. I mean, everybody was there. Sam Houston State's coach was there. Jeff Trailer was there, and Jimbo had a family commitment. That um, whether that I mean, again, no reason to doubt Jimbo, but at the same time, no one there knew until the very last that Jimbo wasn't going to be there. So it wasn't one of these. Hey, because like Dave Aranda wasn't there. His father died. Right? Yeah, he, they were having Spons a celebration of life for his father, and, he, and everybody there was well aware of that. The Jimbo thing kind of surprised everybody. Now, Jimbo will be today at SEC Media Days, which are starting in Nashville today. And um, he had that sheep herding competition on Sunday. <laughs> Could make it out. Family, family, <sighs> family well, obligations. I mean, you, you, you're the head coach. You know when, the, when that deal is. Well, that's a pretty important for the tech head coach at Texas A&M to be yes. in front of 12,000. So Greg Sankey was there. Yeah, Greg Sankey, who's the commissioner of the SEC. And Jimbo was not. Was not there. That makes no, no sense. sense. No, Agreed. it doesn't. You're Why right. was Greg Sankey there in the first place? Yeah, just well, because to get north Just of, in the area? No, he was there because he was invited, as a matter of fact. is why he said he was invited by the Texas high school coaches because he... Because he does a lot of recruiting around here. Well, well he's got he a, doesn't. Well, he's got a team in Texas A&M that's in the conference, and the Longhorns are about to join the conference, and a lot of the... Teams in the SEC recruit Texas high school players uh, to play at their schools. LSU kind of lives around here. Alabama. Alabama. Oh, yeah. They, they know. Oh, I'm sorry, Georgia. Arkansas, yeah. So, yes. And, and I thought Greg Sankey was smart for him to be there and uh, made some good comments. And then he'll be lecturing in, you know, ushering in the big the SEC media days today in Nashville um, today. So that'll be Jimbo Fisher. And I'm sure he'll be asked. Because, you know, Craig, the way Craig presented it, like they offered up his defensive coordinator. It was like, we don't want the defensive coordinator. We don't want Jimbo. Where coaches, the Jimbo. Get all these head coaches up here. We don't want that guy. Jimbo. Who even is the defense coordinator? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You know who it is? Um, and it wasn't even the defense coordinator. It was the defensive line coach. But what? The head, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Because I heard, because, by the way, if you missed this on Friday. You're up a regular Joe? It's like you, Bucky, going to a back in the day. Uh, yeah, really. Did they ever send you on any of those trips? No. And I don't know the answer to it, but I do know this, that um, – it didn't go over well uh, with, oh. with the coaches, I would imagine. But uh, and Jimbo, look, Jimbo's not the DJ Durkin is their defensive coordinator, by the way. Oh. Remember DJ Durkin, Maryland, Maryland, yeah. dead player. <laughs> yeah, I remember. We remember DJ Durkin. He is yes. the defensive coordinator. Of course, uh, does Bobby, anybody really want to hear Jimbo Fisher just ramble on though? Well, and no, of course, make excuses. What is I mean, guy? I know we want to hear it for the sake of the well, show. It's kind of an important appearance. It's once a year. It's coach's school. 12,000 high school coaches from around the state descend upon, whether it's San Antonio or Houston. There's no way he makes that out this year. Uh, well, we'll see. He likes his offense. I'm sure we'll hear that about him today. Um, and, you know, DJ Durkin, former Maryland coach, will be running the defense down. Yes, and Jimbo will let you know how much he missed this. Hey, look, look on paper, it's kind of a interesting coaching staff, but it's an experienced coaching staff. Jimbo Fisher, despite the struggles, has got skins on the wall. Bobby Vitrino can coach offense. Whatever you think of DJ Durkin, he can coach defense. And they had, they still have talent there. 
So we'll let Craig weigh in on that. Jeff Howe, I'm sure, will have thoughts on what they learned from Coach's school. Also, Big 12 Media Days last week. Thanks to uh, all of you. Appreciate it, Buck. Good stuff. So I'll be listening today with you and Zay. Yes, sir. Two days of it and poker night. Ooh, you're playing poker again tonight? Yeah, it's time. Is that the first Monday in a bit? It's the first time in a bit, yeah. It'll be some Will it be air-conditioned? Oh, for sure, yeah. Thank you. It's not out on the back porch. It's not on the stoop. Well, good luck, at, good luck at poker night. Take all the money. Big breakfast Monday. Hey, take some money from your buddies and then Absolutely. win that uh, Mega Millions lottery thing that's going on tonight. 900 mil. I'm doing mil. that for the kids. 900 mil. That uh, win will be for, this win will be for the kids. Hey, enjoy your Monday. We'll have uh, all that coverage from SEC Media Days tomorrow into day, into day two. Also more with uh, that baseball conversation and certainly Buck's poker prowess tonight. Ty, have a great one. If you missed any part of this show, a good, bad, and ugly Monday, it's all there for you on the podcast page. Recap it all at your leisure at hornfm.com. Light the Tower is next.